Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. I invited you into this conversation today for our church family on both campuses because you've got a really, really powerful, uh, very emotional story that we really want our people to know. And um, one of the things that we do at Community of Hope from time to time is highlight uh, different folks in our church who have a story to tell. And one of the things uh, our church has heard me say on more than one occasion is that when we are sharing our testimony, we are lending faith to others. And when we are hearing someone's testimony, we borrow faith from them. And Joe, you've got quite a testimony in which um, you can lend a lot of faith to us. And you have a testimony that when people hear it, they're gonna borrow, borrow faith from you. I remember riding out to the airport and everything with the girls and Kelly's parents had taken us out there in their van. As I got in the airplane, then they brought Laura in to sit next to me in the right front seat. And uh, so she's my little co-pilot. We taxied out, engine started fine, taxied out to the end of the runway. And I did my engine run-up inspection. Everything checked out fine. And it's after that that my memory goes blank. Well, and the reason your memory goes blank is, and what we want our congregation to know, is actually somewhere after takeoff, there was a mechanical failure on the plane and the plane crashes. And in a moment, in a blink of an eye, you lose your entire family. So I'm in a coma for 10 days. And so when I woke out of the coma, that I asked the night nurse, I said, where is Kelly, where's Laura and Tara? I said, Joe, they were in the airplane with you. And they didn't survive, and that's when I lost it. I said, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Because I knew my father and my sister, who actually attends Hope East, had come up there. And so I knew when they got out to the hospital to see me the next day, that they would tell me. I would ask them, okay, where's Kelly Laura Terra? And that was the worst day of my worst life. The worst day of your life. The worst day is when I found out. Well, and I, I have to say, you know, Joe, the first time I heard your story and we got emotional together, I think, in Starbucks that afternoon, you know, me learning for the first time. And, uh, you know, a lot of times um, we hear these stories, you see them in the news and all of that. And then to, to be able to know somebody who has lived through such great loss and such great tragedy and come through it. Yeah. The, the, the question that would come to my mind, to everybody's mind, is how did you find the hope to go on uh, after this you know, happened to you? Tell, tell us about that. Well, it was the second month in, or third month in the hospital, uh, so I was in the hospital almost five months. And that's when some Christian neighbors had come in to witness to me. Mark and Pam Marino were some neighbors in the neighborhood that I lived in. I knew them, but I didn't know them personally as friends. 
uh, just like you know your neighbors, you know. So they had <clears throat> come into witness to me and asked me if um, if I want to see my girls again. And of course I said yes. Yeah. Know? And they said, well, you can do that by accepting Jesus in your heart, you know. And, wow. and that's when Mark read to me Romans 10, 9. Yeah. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, yeah. you will be saved. Yeah. You know, your, your faith became more real to you. Yes. So, you know, I think, and one of the things we often talk about at Community of Hope is that a lot of us have some Christian memory we have, we have some distant experiences with faith, but um, life will require of us more than just distant memory. In right. fact, we're looking at a verse right now in our series that um, the lead in into that verse, which is that we should you know, be ready all the time to give a reason for the hope that lives within us. This is what you're doing. This is the power of your testimony, but also that it, uh, Peter was writing and he said, in our hearts, we should revere Christ as Lord. So you you look back on that time as a time when your faith deepened in a tremendous way. Yes. So what you just saw was a little snippet, a preview of Joe telling his story of uh, how he found hope in Christ. It's powerful. It's compelling. I'm seeing many of you are being moved to compassion right now. See all the tissues out and the, you know, man, it's a powerful story. Um, so here's what we've done. That's just a preview. We have a 20 minutes-ish video of Pastor Dale interviewing Joe that's online on our website at communityofhope.church slash Joe. He gets his own website. He's that awesome. <laughs> So make sure you go and check that out for the whole thing, especially for those of you who are online. Go watch the whole video. It's powerful. And regardless of where you are in your faith journey, if you're new to church, haven't been to church in a while, or you've been coming here for a long time, it's going to bless you and help you get some handles for your faith. Joe is also going to be in the lobby after church. He's written a book about his experience and his life story, and we encourage you to go say hey to him and grab that book. You'll be blessed by it, all right? Very good. Now, today we are going to be concluding our series we've been in for about six weeks or so that we've called Handoff. And here's the premise of the series, that for followers of Christ, if you identify as a follower of Jesus, it's important for you. One of the most loving things, what the most important things you could possibly do with your life is to hand off, to share the hope that you have found in Christ with somebody else. Statistics are out in our society now that says that the up-and-coming generations in our nation think that it's wrong to share your faith with somebody. But actually, the opposite is true, that there is nothing more loving that anybody could ever possibly do than to share the hope of Christ with another person. That is the single most loving thing any of us could ever do, is to hand off our faith and the opportunity for eternal life to another person and introduce them to the God who made them and loves them and wants a relationship with them. So we're borrowing the imagery of the handoff of a relay race, that the most important part of a relay race isn't how fast you run. It's about the handoff. And that it's important how we share our faith with Jesus, not just to share about Jesus, to other people, but how we share our faith 
really matters, thus our imagery. So you've seen here, if you've been coming for the past couple weeks, we have these tags on the sides of the room. There are like visual prayers we're keeping in front of us. In week one, we handed you a tag. If you were here, it said, if you identify as a follower of Jesus, write on one side the name of the person who handed off to you. And so one way, it's a prayer of thank you. And then if you flip it over, we said, write the name of a person who you are praying will find hope in Christ that you're praying you can help hand off to them. So it's another prayer. One is a thank you prayer, and one is God, give me opportunities. God, open their heart. God, I pray that you would move. When we name somebody's, uh, when we name a person in God's presence, heaven and earth moves and things change. So these are prayers before us. We're going to return to this here later in the service, but that's what we're talking about. Our theme verse has been 1 Peter 3.15. We're going to read it one more time together as a church, and if you're streaming online, I don't care where you are. You read it out loud at Starbucks from your iPhone. Okay, so ready? We're going to read this one last time together as a church. Go. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Very good. Now, our concluding passage for the series is a peculiar passage. It's not necessarily, like Billy said, a Palm Sunday passage, and it's not necessarily what you would think is a stereotypical handoff type of a passage, but there's a lot for us to learn in from here. We're in uh, Luke chapter 24 verse 13. So if you haven't grabbed your sermon notes yet, I encourage you to do that now. You can follow along with your own Bible on your app or a paper Bible, whatever you have. And this is from, uh, again, one of the gospels, one of the ancient biographies of the life of Jesus. And this is happening on Resurrection Sunday. Two days earlier on Friday, Jesus was brutally crucified on a Roman cross. He was executed by the Roman government. He was dead. And we know on Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. This is happening that morning as news is beginning to break. Concerning everyone else in the whole world, they still think Jesus is dead. But the whole world is coming awake to the greatest news in the history of the world. So let's jump in. Verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things have happened these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us, and all the ladies said amen. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, 
How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This whole book is about Jesus from beginning to end. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to him. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray. So Lord, my simple prayer, just like what you did 2,000 years ago on the road to Emmaus, when you discussed the scriptures with Cleopas and this other disciple who's unnamed, you made their hearts burn within them. We pray now by the power of the Holy Spirit, cause our hearts to burn within us as you speak to us about the scriptures and here and now. Lord, you're here. We recognize your presence. Come and speak. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So this passage is famously known as the road to Emmaus. It's a wonderful passage. Um, this has captured the hearts and the imagination of Christians for centuries. Uh, for instance, in our tradition, there is a weekend retreat program that many people have gone on called the Walk to Emmaus. Has anybody here gone on the Walk to Emmaus? Oh my goodness, so many hands gone on the Walk to Emmaus. In fact, there's a Walk to Emmaus retreat happening this very weekend with people from our church attending it together. It's very powerful. Not just with Christian programs and Christian retreats. This has captured the imagination of countless artists all throughout the century, this one story. My favorite painting of the road to Emmaus is actually hanging up at the East Campus done by a faithful member of our church over there named Bill Gaylor. And here's his depiction of it. Isn't that gorgeous? This story is a wonderful story. It's an incredible story. It's a heartwarming story. Now, if you try to research, if you try to go to the city of Emmaus, now you can't find it. It was a small village, and it's mostly been lost to antiquity. And scholars have their best guesses of a radius of seven miles anywhere around Jerusalem of where they think Emmaus could have been. So even though we don't know where Emmaus is, we do know how they got there. We, they got there through the great Roman technology of the roads that they had built. And here is an ancient Roman road outside of Jerusalem. And this is most likely the type of road and maybe the road Jesus and the two disciples walked on, on the way to Emmaus. I love to give people a visual so they can picture it with their minds and put themselves in that scene. That's what I want you to do now as we explore this story. Picture yourself there. Now, as we're imagining ourselves on the road walking with Jesus, I want you to think with me for a few minutes about how Jesus handed off hope in this story. Now, here's where it's not a typical handoff passage, because most of the time we think, well, these people were followers of Jesus. 
Not necessarily so. They recognize Jesus as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a morally good person. They recognize him as powerful in word and deed. He was a good speaker and he could do miracles. They recognized him as a prophet, but they did not recognize him as Lord, the son of the living God. And they didn't understand that he was risen from the dead. In fact, Joe talked about this in his testimony. Romans 10.9 says this, but if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These guys have done neither of these things. They have proximity around Jesus, but they're not yet fully a follower of his, just like many people in our culture today. If you ask anybody, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Well, he was a good moral teacher. Well, he was a prophet. But the final step to become a follower of his is that he's Lord, and I believe that God raised him from the dead. That's the key. So this passage here, it's a handoff passage, and we have a lot to learn from how our master Hand it off to these two. So let's think about this for a minute. I want you to write this down. The guiding principle that I just want you to see today, if you see one thing, this is the one thing I want you to see, is that how Jesus did this and how he joined them on a journey. For instance, if you consider uh, the distance, it was a seven-mile walk that Jesus went on with them. That's about three miles of walking, give or take, depending on how fast of a walk you are. They weren't speed walking, I guarantee it to you. Now, if you consider the distance of that, but also think about the distance of a relay. If somebody's doing a four by 100 relay, do you know that there's only a space, a small window where somebody could do a handoff? It's called the change box. I had to research this because in case you can't tell by my short legs, I'm not a runner. In Scotland, there's mountains and hills. We don't run, we steal horses. So I had to learn, I had to learn about running for this sermon series. And so in a relay race, you only have a short amount of distance when you can hand off to another person. It's called the change box. And the change box in a relay race is only 20 meters long. And for those of you, right, we live in America. Don't bring that metric system here. This isn't France. <laughs> 20 meters is about 21 yards, a little bit longer than the red zone for football with you now, okay? <laughs> That's how long somebody has to hand off a baton in a relay race. It's short. And yet Jesus chooses to have a seven-mile-long handoff. He took his time. Do you know there's nowhere in scriptures where it says Jesus ran? You can't find it. It only says that he walked places. Because Jesus is never in a hurry. Ever. Ever. Guiding principle. Handoffs are best when we walk with others. Handoffs are done best when we walk with others, when we walk with people in relationship, when we go the long road of friendship, the long journey together. We're not trying to microwave a decision. We're not trying to force a conclusion. We're just loving people along the road of life. When you gradually walk with somebody through life in relationship and love together, that's the best setting for a handoff to happen. And sure, I'm sure there's outliers and I'm sure that there are different stories, but the vast majority of us in this room came to faith in Jesus because somebody loved us enough to walk with us on the road. Again, I'm sure there's the exceptions to the rule, but handoffs are done best when we walk with others. Handoffs are done best when we walk with others. I think this is really important for people to know because so many times if you try to talk in a church, especially for those of us who are insiders here today, for those of you who are navigating faith, we're so glad you're here. You picked the perfect church to navigate your faith. But for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, 
when we talk about a series like Handoff and how to share your faith, people feel really intimidated. Like, I can't share my faith with somebody else. Who do you think I am? I'm not Billy Graham. I can't do that. And here's the point. Yes, you can. Pastor Wayne Cordero says this. He brings up the question, who's the greatest evangelist in the church, in any church? He says, well, the greatest evangelist is not D.L. Moody. Remember, we spoke about him a few weeks ago. And it's not Billy Graham. And get this, and it's not the pastors of the church. It's not Dale. It's not me. It's not anybody who wears a microphone in our church. It's not. The greatest evangelists are the individuals who make up the church. Each person has unchurched loved ones, friends, or family members, each needing the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Through these genuine relationships, a verbal witness is given, an invitation is extended, and non-churched and a non-churched person becomes willing to investigate Christianity. You need to know that handoffs are done best by walking with others so you're not intimidated by this. To hand off to another person, you don't need to be Billy Graham. To hand off to another person, all you need to be able to do is to be a loving friend. And if you can do that, you are the greatest evangelist in Community of Hope. And you can do it. And Jesus showed us how. And if you can walk with others, you can hand off just like the master himself. Now, seeing how Jesus went on his seven-mile handoff, we can observe some things he did of how he walked with others and how he approached this relationship and how he didn't microwave things, but how he handed off his faith on a journey over time. So if you're taking notes, write some of this down. First thing that Jesus did was that he watched for the hurting. He watched for the hurting. We could see this in Luke 24, 17, and the later on in verses 20 and 21, both will be on the screen. So the, they stood still, their faces downcast. My goodness, what a word picture. They stopped walking, and their faces were downcast. And later on, when they're describing to Jesus what they had gone through, they said to him, verse 21, but we had hoped. What? <laughs> Excuse me. What? A sad grouping of three words. We had hoped. Does anybody know what it feels like in here to have your hopes dashed and your dreams lost? This is them. This is them. And so Jesus is exactly, this is the moment he decides to enter into their story. He meets them right at their pain. Um, you've heard me share this many times before. Pastor Dale has shared this too. We both had to go through a summer internship program when we were in seminary, pastor school, where we had to spend a summer as a chaplain in a hospital. A great way to spend your summer, right? Um, the wards I was assigned to, how I spent 50 hours a week all summer long was to spend it in the emergency room and the oncology ward of a hospital. You saw a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. And my mentor, my, the chaplain who's teaching me how to love people with the love of Jesus in crisis moments, taught me many wonderful things. But this is one thing I'll never forget that he taught me. He's like, when you're talking to somebody, if you really want to be Jesus to them, follow the pain. Follow the pain. Because in any scene, watch it every time you read the Bible from here on out. Jesus is looking for those who are hurting, those who are disenfranchised, those who are disillusioned, those who are brokenhearted and who've lost everything. And those are the people like a laser beam he goes right to. Why? Because he's a God of compassion. 
and he's a healer. Not just of bodies, but of hearts and minds and lives. This is what Jesus does. And so if Jesus does this, he calls his followers to do this, which is hard. Because oftentimes if we see somebody really hurting, if we're honest with ourselves, we stay away because we don't know what to do. What if you learn to do what Jesus did as you're walking with others? If you see somebody deeply in pain, just walk toward the pain and walk with somebody. That's why Joe's here today, because his, labor, his neighbors loved him enough to show up in the worst moment of his life and share with him the hope of Christ to get through what he was going through. So Jesus tells us, if you want to walk with others to hand off faith, watch for the hurting and follow it. Because let me tell you, something happens in someone's life when they might be totally closed off to Christ. Well, when life happens, and life happens to everybody, when life happens, we become way more open to receive a handoff and take a hold of hope. So watch for the hurting. I also noticed this with Jesus. Take a look at this. In verses, uh, back to 17, Jesus obviously knows everything. I mean, this is like one of the most ridiculous scenes in the Bible. He walks up like, what are you guys talking about? Have you not heard what happened? And Jesus like, what happened? I mean, my goodness, he's just playing so coy here. But notice what Jesus does. As he's walking with these people, he does this. He asks them, what are you discussing together? In verse 19, oh, well, what things happen? He's asking questions. So write this. Jesus, if you want to walk with others, Jesus asked questions and he listened first. That's important. He asked questions and he listened first. Now, this is something that happens all throughout all the four gospels of Jesus where he's a highly inquisitive person, even though he's the way, the truth, and the life. But yet notice this, in the Gospels, Jesus asked, I want to get this right, I think 307 questions. He asked 307 questions of people. And yet people asked him 183 questions. And at the end of it all, he only directly answered three questions total. He often used questions to create discussions, and he talked in parables, and he led people in this way. Why is it that Jesus asked so many questions and gave so few answers? Well, I think it shows his relational emotional intelligence with people. That's something that we have to learn, especially in our Twitter culture right now. The importance of asking questions. Um. Our theme verse talks about always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. There's nothing wrong being prepared to give an answer. We need to be able to give an answer. We need to be able to tell people clearly, succinctly, intelligibly why we believe what we believe and the difference that Jesus has made in my life. We need to be ready to give an answer, but you won't even get to be able to share an answer and you won't even be able to have somebody ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have if you're not asking questions and being a good listener first. First, this is what Jesus did. He asked questions first, and he listened first. The created spaces for them to tell others about himself next. Um, I'm part of a great 
small group. I'm part of many different groups. That my wife and I are part of a, a married small group that meets on Sunday nights. And I just love, love, love my small group. When we decided to join um, a couple years ago, they had already decided what they were doing for their small group curriculum. They didn't do um, a book. They didn't do a study. They decide that every time they meet, they're just going to do the sermon discussion questions that we produce as a church, which meant for me joining this group, I felt really awkward (laughs) of, oh, no, on any given week, we could be talking about what Dale spoke about, and then I'm off the hook. Oh, no, but on any other given week, I could show up, and we're going to talk about what I said hours earlier. Oh, no. (laughs) Now, they're really gracious and really kind, and they don't make it weird, except for the guys. They make it weird. They make it the Olympics of who can make Trevor feel the worst. Uh, Every single group. I kid you not, small group started last week with this question. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and discuss the message this weekend. Who liked Trevor's shirt? Oh, I need new friends. I really do. Pray for me. Um, but there was a great discussion in small group. There was, it was so good. Somebody brought up, we're talking on handoff. Like, I feel so inadequate to share my faith with others because I'm not a debater. I'm not good at, at knowing what to say right in the moment. You know how there's like two types of people. One person is like, I know exactly what to say at the right time, at the right place. Zing, gotcha. And then the other type of person is, I know exactly what to say later that night before I go to bed. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'll travel back in time and give you my thoughts. Yeah. A lot of people think, well, because I'm not a debater, I'm, I'm not good at the handoff. That's not true. What this passage is telling us is actually the listener who listens first, who's best at the handoff. It's somebody who can memorize this phrase with me, write it down maybe. Tell me your story. If you learn to say those words to somebody who's an unchurched person or burnt by church or has no, wants nothing to do with Jesus, but you say, hey, tell me your story, and you listen first, eventually they'll want to know your story because there's something happens when we just listen to others. It's how we walk best. It's what Jesus taught us. So Jesus is walking with people. He's watching for the pain, watching for hurting. He's asking questions. He's listening. He's so smart with relationships. And then I just noticed this at the end of it all. He just takes forever to tell them it's him. Is anybody annoyed by that like me? Like, just get to it. He could have been 10 steps into the journey. He went, ta-da, it's me. But he waited seven miles and found a place to crash with these people and ate a meal with them until finally the end when he broke bread and <gasps> they realized it was him. And then he like disappeared, like he teleported. Have you ever thought about like, did the bread just drop on the table? Was he holding it? Like, <laughs> we don't know. But I read this and I'm like, I'm like, just tell him already. Jesus, you're going too slow. Just say something, do something. And then I identified with that, like, man, I do that with him concerning people in my life all the time. Jesus, you're just going too slow. Why don't you just reveal yourself to them? Why don't you just do it now? Maybe you felt frustrated that way too. Well, I just want to give an encouraging word here at the end of the message. Second Peter, which is ironic that it's Peter who wrote this, but Second Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anybody to perish, but everyone, 
everyone. Do you, do you hear that? Everyone to come to repentance. He wants everybody to come to repentance. God is not slow. God's patient. God wins the world simply because he can outweigh everyone. <laughs> so here's what you need to just keep in mind at the very end of it all. Be patient and just trust God to work in the lives of your loved ones who you're trying to reach out to. Just be patient. Just walk with people. Just love people. Just listen to people. When they ask you to share your story, man, share with them, but don't force it. Jesus spoke to them about the scriptures on the road, and he didn't force a single conclusion on them. They just talked, and he just trusted his Father and trusted the Holy Spirit to work and to work and to work. So mysteriously, under the surface in somebody's heart, God's light is penetrating darkness. And just over time, eventually, right when you least expect it, eyes open up, and people recognize Jesus. Trust God. Do your part. Walk with people. And God will do his. Now for our, our last moment here for our service, we're going to close with a moment of prayer. So if you're able, would you please stand? We're in God's presence now. We're going to close with prayer. Now we lift it up all throughout the series and at the beginning of this message, these tags with names and names and names of people who are far from God. I invite you now just where you're sitting, or standing, excuse me, <laughs> right where you're standing, to bow your heads and pray with me. And pray for names of people who you know who are far from God. Do that now. Name them in God's presence. And pray for them. Pray for them. could even pray, Lord, use me to hand off. Whatever way you want to use me, use me, use me, use me, Lord. Name people who are far from God. He hears you. Every single name, he hears it. Good. That's one prayer. I'm going to lead you in another prayer here in a moment. I want you to open your eyes. This summer, we're doing something called Fresh Start, which is a summer Bible study for people in our church to come, but it's a space we've intentionally created for you to invite somebody who is not a Christ follower to come walk with you. And it's a safe space to explore faith, to learn about Jesus in a non-judgmental environment, and to just walk with other people. This isn't for 50 days now. We're not announcing this. This is a prayerful moment. And so as we're going to have this here in this room this summer, many people have come to faith in Jesus because of things like this we do every summer. And so in a holy moment now, I'm going to invite you to pray again. I want you to ask God to give you opportunities to invite somebody to this. Would you do that now? Bow your heads and pray. Lord, who do you want me to invite to this summer study? Lord, give me an opportunity to invite somebody. Give me an opportunity to walk with somebody. 
Lord, here I am. Send me. Pray that now. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we worship you because you're the master of the handoff. You hand it off to us through someone else, and we want to be a part of your endeavor to save the world. Thank you for being the great missionary God. We love you. It's in your name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Friends, we have people up here on the sides of the room who love to pray with you about anything you got going on in your life. Make sure you come this way if you need that. Otherwise, go in God's peace. We'll see you at Easter.